Thank you for listening to Lone Star Community Radio. This program was broadcasted and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. Lone Star Community Radio is supported by listeners like you. Donate and sponsor today. For more information on getting involved with Lone Star Community Radio, contact us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or visit us online at www.irlonestar.com. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe. And worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you so much for joining the Cindy Cochran Show. Uh, boy, have we got an exciting show today. And we want to thank the Wooten Financial Group to, uh, for their sponsorship. <laughs> Hello, mouth work. Um, and it's, it's exciting because he... He sponsored us over at the old uh, studio when we were on, and then he re-upped again when we got over here, and he is uh, come back. So, you know, if you happen to want to sponsor the show, we have plenty of room for you. Or if you want to donate to the show, you can do that as well. But uh, And today, you just want to make sure that you listen to this show or watch the show because we have Don Wilson. He is my Elvis Presley connection that we're getting ready to call and, uh, and talk to. And he was uh, going to be standing by at any moment. We're going to call him live on the show. And um, hopefully he's not talking to one of all his celebrity friends. <laughs> no. You know, you never know. One ringy Hello? ding. Uh, is this Don Wilson? Hello? Yes. Okay, this is Cindy Cochran. <laughs> Hi, Don. How are you okay. doing? <laughs> Going like, Cindy, what are you doing? You're so silly. I'm so silly. I'm sorry. But I haven't talked to you in so long. It's been minutes. But um, no, I've, I called you up. And you weren't feeling well. You were kind of under the weather. And so I said, okay, call me back whenever you feel better. And you did. I was so happy because I thought, oh, I'm getting ready to ask him, can you be on the show tomorrow? And, and, you, uh, and you got well. You've, uh, you did all the medicine. Well, all I, the got, stuff. I got better anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry you've been suffering. But this is a good distraction, right? That's true. Of course, you're always a good distraction, Cindy. Thank you so much. That's so sweet of you to say that. I appreciate that. Well, you know, Don, you've been on and you have told some of the craziest stories, and I know they're all true, uh, about you and Elvis and his group and the the mafia, Memphis mafia and all those people. And we've talked about him, you know, like, ad nauseum during the movie that just came out and all that so we, we talked to as many people as we could that were associated in some way with him like from tish uh his uh nurse and all the way to uh bill morris who was a good friend of his and he was the mayor of memphis and all so we went through all that but you know who we never did talk about lisa marie his daughter we never had a con- really a conversation about her. And then all of a sudden, shockingly, she passes away from a, a, a massive heart attack. And we know that there was heart disease in her family. But, but I bet, you know, it seems like, did she know or did anyone talk about that? Or did, was that discussed that she had to take care of herself and she had to do this or not do that? Well, uh, there's a book by a friend of mine named Sally A. Hodel, and it's called Destined to Die Young. Uh, it's, it, it, it traces Elvis's family, and uh, it shows how uh, a certain side of his, the family, you know, has got a lot of issues, you know, and it seems like she had the same issues as her father and this and that, so... Um, Sally does a really good job explaining that because evidently it's it's in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am I'm I'm still stunned 
that um, she passed away uh, uh, so pretty young. much like her father did. Well, it was she? It was just two days after the red carpet on uh, the Golden, I think it was Golden Globes, uh, that she was attending, and Billy Bush interviewed her, and he said after his interview that she didn't seem right. She said she seemed kind of shaky and all, and so um, I just wonder if that was like an early indication. Two days later, she's gone. Well, well, she had lost uh, quite a bit of weight. Yes. And, uh, yeah. which she, on Elvis's birthday, on the 8th, she attended um, uh, the festivities, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, she, she walked around and met every fan just about, and uh, shook uh, hands, oh. uh, signed autographs, took photos with the fans, and I'd never seen her do that, you know, uh, Interesting. You know, like with every, just nearly everybody. And uh, she did, uh, uh, she was told by, you know, one one person who said that you just look lovely. And she says, well, thank you, because, but I don't really feel too well today. Oh. And, uh, but um, she, she looked better on Sunday than she did uh, at the awards. Um, Did you happen to see that interview? That uh, what, what interview? the interview that she did at the on the red carpet um, with yes. Billy Bush. Yes, I did. And and he was right. She what she did seem like she, very weak. She was really weak. But um, but what you know, like Tish uh, Elvis's nurse was talking about how when he wanted her to move on to the onto the property there at Graceland and he thought that that would help give uh, Lisa someone to play with the, her uh, her children and Lisa could play together and so I remember that that uh, you know so she had really fond memories of of Lisa as a child but you didn't get to know Lisa or, or really get to know her until she was a little older or she was she really young when you first met her she was she's younger than me. Uh, what it is is that, uh, well, I was in, you know running in different circles, you know, and she was first time that uh, I, I, I would say this. I, I Lisa and I, you know, had met several times. You know, we knew each other, but we didn't really know each other that well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time that I saw her, I think it was in April of 1976. And Harold uh, uh, Lloyd was uh, Elvis's uh, first cousin, and uh, not the sound screen star, but yeah, I was gonna and, say uh, he was my he was he, he was my next door neighbor. But she was on her golf cart. She had a little blue golf cart that Elvis gave her with her name on it, and she was uh, signing autographs for the fans. And while Harold stepped off. That's enough, Lisa. You know, you have to go back and she's I'm Elvis Presley's daughter, and you're fired. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. And so I anyway, guess it... Elvis came down. Uh, that's a, you know, I, you, you, you normally didn't see Elvis coming down. He came down and took her back to the house, and that's all I know. <laughs> but <laughs> that is, that's something because, um, you know, if you were Elvis Presley's child, how do you know how you would act? You know, you're the king's child, and uh, so you, everybody does your bidding. And and I guess you probably she's probably had different attitudes through her life. And as she got older, she became very philanthropic, and and you know was uh, was doing a lot of charitable work. And so I think she you know finally grew up, grew out of it. But her her husband's um her marriages were like she was married three or four times she was married to danny keogh and uh then she married michael jackson and then she married nicholas cage okay so was... and then and then and then michael lockwood lockwood and, and, yeah and, yeah and um so mm. I, I i didn't um meet Lockwood. I, I saw him, mm-hmm. but I, 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 you know, I don't know him. 
Um, I don't know Danny either, but... Um, uh, but her first husband, I, did he, now he passed away, like, um, not while they were married, right? That I was, which one are you talking about? The first, his, her first husband. Keo was this... No, I, I don't believe he passed away. I wonder, because I was reading an article about it, and she said, and um, one of her husbands had passed away. I didn't know which one it was. I knew it wasn't. Well, I know Michael Jackson has, but um, but not, you know, anybody else. I that's. I have to go back and reread it. Okay. Anyway, so um, but I loved the story that you told about when you met Michael Jackson, and um, that was just amazing. Can you revisit that and tell us what happened? Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, they got married, I think, in 94. And uh, around that time, there was a, a real hip record shop called Planet Music in Memphis where you go, you could listen to your the music before, you know, you bought, you know, you bought it. You know, right. And you had, like, little listening stations. I mean, that was pretty cool for that time and, and it was pretty pretty big and anyway um make a long story short because i could you know <laughs> I could stretch it out but um <laughs> you know um lisa liked it and uh, she wanted to show michael and then uh, they came in and um uh, i had a real brief introduction to michael he was uh uh very nice uh polite um, and uh, then they went their way and then all of a sudden I, I remember that uh, Michael had to go to the men's room well I guess it was a big thing for you know <laughs> for his security guys you know and they went over and they, they banged on the, on the door and uh, all these uh, Memphis boys come out and I was like well there's only a couple of them and uh and I was like, what the hell is going on? But, uh, <laughs> and so anyway, it's like the security for the president. They have to go in there and make sure there's nobody there. And so Michael goes into the bathroom, and then they're, they're standing there, not letting anybody <laughs> go in. You know? But uh, How I, I awkward. guess that's, that's my most memorable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, my meeting with Michael, you know, took all of, 10 seconds or 15 or whatever but <laughs> but that's something but that's to remember yeah and that she uh was she surprised when she saw you when she came in uh she seemed not to be so you know i mean uh who knows well uh, you had found out you had found out they were coming and let the manager know but he wouldn't believe you that they were going to come into this right store. right right and and, and then uh he, he sent uh, someone down for some film to take pictures yeah that's true but i think that uh, you know george klein had his pulse on everything you know so i'm sure it was all george you know so G gk uh was uh, kind of like the dick clark of memphis and he was one of my closest friends and he was very very close with uh, priscilla and lisa and he was a, a a good friend of Elvis's. Uh, he he, known ever since eighth grade. So that that's George Klein. Yeah, right. I, yeah. You've got so many pictures. Can people still go to the Hollywood Beat and see a lot of the pictures that you have of, of you with the celebrities that you've worked with or have known? Yeah, they seem to. Um, I, I I don't have. Uh, my website anymore but i do have the um uh, the, the page you know on, on facebook and um uh, yeah there's there's a lot of pictures you know it's just you know it's it's, it's uh, if i didn't have the pictures you know <laughs> I'm it, it, it kind of made, I, I was oh yeah I, I, that happened you know <laughs> well what's, what's funny is because you had Every time I would talk to you and I'd say about some celebrity, all of a sudden there was a picture of you with the celebrity or, or the celebrity was, you know, like uh, you were interviewing them or working with them. And uh, it was 
It was amazing because it was like you knew everybody. And I know partially that was because of Elvis and his his gang. They got to know you. And so you became a part, you know, a part of their running around that circle. But um, how many people that, that just span out to, like people that he had done movies with and that um, that you had come to know like you you knew everybody even the guy that that was the one that uh was the director for the movie that did the um the comeback special uh, you knew him and I got to talk to him but he wasn't going to be able to do anything until in January so I haven't called them back to nail him down I guess he thinks oh she's not she forgot about it he don't know me but I'm going to I'll call him and make sure we get him back. Well, it is January, so. Yeah, I know. It's like, okay. And it wasn't this year, I believe. It was this year that he said, yeah, in 23, January 23, I think I can, I could make, uh, I could make your podcast. Okay, great. There you go. So. Um, well, you know, when I, when I, uh, when I was in Memphis, you know, and I knew, uh, you know, uh, the music stars there it was just like more like Rufus, Rufus Thomas, Billy Riley, and uh, you know Jerry Lee. Uh, but you know, I I didn't really know besides Elvis, you know, like movie stars. But then when I moved out to Hollywood, that's when you know I got with the Motion Picture Council, and my job was to award actors and actresses, and uh, then. Uh, uh, I also did um, documentaries, and so I would interview them. You know, I, I would pick up like I did in the uh, radio. You know, list. I mean, interviewing uh, music stars. But you know, it wasn't until I went to Hollywood where I got to really, you know, meet the, the film stars. But well, getting getting back to Lisa, because I, I didn't want to miss the part where you worked on the the E Hollywood story. Of like how it happened, is that correct? Yes, that's true. Uh, well, they called me uh, from E because uh, they they knew that I did the definitive Elvis, and uh, and uh, word gets around, you know, and uh, uh, so I said, sure, I I, I uh, contributed photographs and audio and and video. Uh, footage, and um, I didn't do any of the interviews, but um, it was, um, I, I watched it last night, uh, I haven't I haven't, haven't seen it in a long time, I did it in 2003, but uh, I'll have to get you a, a dub of that, you know, so yeah. you can, you know, check it out. Yeah, I was trying to find that, and I thought, I, okay, I can't find it anywhere, but uh, when you while you were working on that, what did you find things out about Lisa, or did you discover things that you, you know, had known? Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I found out different things, and uh, um, some of Lisa's friends uh, from her childhood had been guests uh, on on the uh, special as well as. Jerry Schilling and George Klein and uh, different ones that are really close you now to her. So that was, you know, of course, way before her her passing. When that when that came out, was she upset? Did she did she not like it, or she liked it, or she thought it was, you know, like it was fine? Well, it, it's kind of tough to know. She, she was, uh, I, I'd heard rumors that, you know, she was, you know, upset about it, but I, uh, you know, she never said anything to me about it, or I never got a letter, I never got sued. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the way you want to keep your relationships sue-free, yes. And I, right, and exactly. I, and I guess her friends probably weren't her friends anymore. Were they doing, uh, you know, like tell-all stuff? Well, you know, they didn't really say anything in, in a bad light towards her, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so uh, she had some problems, and um, she probably didn't want uh, 
everything out. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Jerry, uh, Jerry Schilling was um, very close to her. He was her, her manager. He was one of Elvis's pals. And, in fact, uh, her first job was his secretary. Nobody really knew it was Lisa, you know, so he said he wanted to make sure that nobody took advantage of her. And he's the one that got her a, a record deal, you know, when she started uh, recording uh, right. for Capital. Right. I mean, they really... And he was the manager of the Beach Boys and Jerry Lee Lewis, too. Well, it's, you know, like they were hanging a lot on her, and I think the pressure for her to to be like her dad and... You know, was had to be that had to be tough. Yeah, it. it um, she she said it really wasn't a burden, but you know, I, I, she never seemed to be very very happy, and I'm sure it's because you know he passed away when she was very young. Right. Uh, now, uh, I remember back uh, when she was a teenager, she was. Um, I hadn't seen her except for times that she'd be at Captain D's on Elvis Presley Boulevard with her friends, and so I said, "Okay, that's Lisa. You know, you just go on. You're not gonna. I'm not gonna bug her, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'm not gonna bring attention. Like, you know, and then there's everybody coming. You know, want her autograph or pictures or stuff. But um, she, uh, I, I, I put it this way. I, I called. Elvis's double first cousin Patsy Presley. She was my pal back in the uh, in the day, and uh, uh, and so Lisa answered, and uh, I said, "Patsy, no, this is Lisa." Like I knew, and <laughs> and then uh, I said, uh, well, "Well, hello, Lisa." She says, uh, "Don't tell mom," but she says, "I'm, I'm hiding out at Patsy's," you know. Oh. And so, uh, evidently, she had been at a little tiff with her mother about some clothes or something. Mm-hmm. And so, she it was the first time that she took off and flew to Memphis. And uh, Patsy was uh, uh, got on the phone and said the same thing. So, I, I said, don't worry. I'm not going to say anything to Priscilla. <laughs> <laughs> But but anyway, but anyway, that was that was an interesting uh, day, you know. And I talked to uh, Priscilla's sister Michelle about it, and uh, well, that was a couple of years ago. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah, it's you know, you, you, it was kind of funny looking back at you know at that time, you know. But but it's I'm like sure Priscilla was beside herself, like where in the devil is she? Yeah, and if she had found out that you knew and you didn't tell her, ooh, we so. You want to tell Patsy, be sure and don't tell, ever tell her that I knew and I didn't call her because you told me to. Yeah, that would have been, I can't imagine yeah. the mom going crazy where where the daughter is. But that, how old was she? She had to be, was she an older teenager? She was probably, probably about, she was probably, um, oh, probably 18, I don't know. Well, something like that. It, it, it's been so long ago, you know. Now, but I never, I never said anything, of course. And uh, uh, of course, it, it's been so long. Now, I mean, it's like forty something years ago. Now. Yeah, but she did. She did but, go through a lot of of. Uh, she went through the drug phase, and you know the different phases that you know teenagers do, especially someone with a big celebrity. You know, their dad. And then knowing all what he'd gone through, you know, people think, well, if your dad just died because of all the the drugs he was taking and all that, if that's what they thought, then you think they would that would teach him a lesson. But it it doesn't. It seems like it just, you know, sometimes they feel like they have to, you know, prove something or they they just, you know, they don't care. They. This is what they want to do. Their dad did it, and he enjoyed it. He had fun, and I'm going to do it. Oh yeah. Well, I I do have a kind of you know uh, this kind of a nice little memory for me. About eighty four, eighty five. Um, across from Graceland was a um, this car museum's there now, but 
it was a, a, a nightclub restaurant called Stage 45. And um, I did the lights for the uh, the floor the floor show, you know. And it was owned by uh, Dennis Wise, who had a plastic surgery that looked like Elvis. And he was on all the talk shows way back then. He was the first one to do something like that. But Richard Davis was Elvis's uh, valet, and he was uh, uh, my best friend. And uh, he was the manager there. And so you had people like Charlie Hodge and, you know, well, let me put it this way without going on. Nearly everybody that knew Elvis were started to hang out down there, you know, and it was the place to come. Hmm. And, uh, well, Patsy hung out there. And uh, uh, one night uh, she came to me and said that uh, uh, Lisa came, but she's not going to come in, but she was hungry, so... I made her a cheeseburger fries and a Coke. And, uh, <laughs> you made it? <laughs> yeah, because I, that was another thing. I was, I was the cook there for a while, too. <laughs> oh, <goodness laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I'd get there I'd get there at 11 o'clock in the morning, and I'd leave at 2 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had one day off, you know. And so, I mean, I was always there. Uh, Richard Davis, uh, uh, back then I didn't have a phone. Richard Davis uh, used to call me Columbo because uh, if I got any phone calls, it was in the hall. They had one phone there. All right, Columbo, you got a call. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, it, uh, that was a nice little memory. But yeah, she didn't. She didn't want to come in. You know, she would have been swamped. You know. Oh sure. Oh sure. Of course. Well, that's why I was wondering how, as she got older and she went through the you know, the recording stage. And uh, what do you think happened? Did she, was it was it because she had taken the wrong choices, the wrong direction of why she never took off in the recording? I think it's because uh, she had some good songs, but she said that the best time, I mean, the best songs that she wrote was when she was sad. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably uh, the issue. Now, she had some cover songs like Dirty Laundry, you know, like right. John Henley song. But uh, I think her career would have taken off more if, you know, she uh, did more covers, did other uh, people's uh, music instead of just hers. Uh, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's too late now. Well, but. it's just it's just so amazing because of all the resources she would have been uh, privy to. You would have you would have thought that she'd had you know the best writers, the best you know uh, musicians, and all that, and then the publicity of anything that she would do. You'd think that it would have just gone crazy. So I was just wondering what was it? She wasn't that interested in it, or or she lost interest in it. She wanted uh, to do it as long as she did her own music. Uh, that was what was important to her. Okay, so that, well, that makes sense, you know, because, uh, you know, she uh, she was so typecast anyway because she had his look. Um, that was the strangest thing when you look at her. She does have his look. And then, but Priscilla is, of course, very dominant in her look as well. So the, the mix of the two was just, you know, like amazing. And, you know, Hollywood celebrities that get married, they're just gorgeous. A lot of times I've seen where their children did not carry that image along um, the, the bloodline, but uh, Lisa sure did. She was, she was beautiful. And, uh, but she had that, she did have his look. And uh, I don't know if that was a curse or it was like good for. Her. It just, it just must have been horrendous to have to f- feel like you're carrying this, you know, the load of the pressure of this big star on your shoulders. Well, she did love her father, um, and uh, in fact, uh, when she was in Memphis uh, on her on his birthday. 
the night before, you know, she went out with uh, a, a grief counselor, a friend, and uh, they were uh, at, at uh, the gravesite. And uh, he spoke about that. Uh, that uh, he said, she said, "This is where I'll be one day," but she said, "Not for a long time, because there's so much that I still want to do." Oh. Uh, and so, and she she would uh, she would go up to her dad's room and uh, her bed, his bedroom. Uh, I remember she took Nicholas Cage up there, and he super Elvis fan. Yeah, and uh, Austin Butler, she took him up to Elvis's uh, uh, suite there, uh, his his bedroom, and uh, so she loved Butler and his portrayal of her father. She loved the movie, right? And uh, so, uh, well, you know, it was funny that Nicolas Cage, um, when he did that movie, that he. Like the impersonators, the Elvis impersonators of Vegas. Honeymoon in Vegas. Honeymoon in Vegas, yes. And um, it was it was so strange. And then to find out, I don't know if he had been married to Lisa before he did the movie or after, but that was a very short marriage, right? Well, yeah, yeah. He, he'd already done the movie. He had already uh, done the movie, okay. Uh, you know, in fact, his friend of mine, uh, Joe Kent, you know, who was also uh, one of the Elvises in, in the film. And Bruno Mars, of all people, was another little Elvis impersonator. Was that he was, was he real young? Film. Was he real young yeah. in that? Yeah, he's a real young. You know, in fact, when I was, I used to do Elvis shows, you know, uh, I'd be in the competition and there'd be Bruno Mars, you know, that's how <laughs> we knew him, you know. That's so and weird. And so, uh, but yeah, everything is just all kind of connected, you know. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. And then, but Nicolas Cage seemed like such an odd. I mean, Michael Jackson was pretty odd choice as well. But but Nicolas Cage was an an odd choice because I I just couldn't see them. I couldn't see them together. But like he just wanted to be as close to Elvis as he possibly could be. So he marries his daughter, is what it seemed like to me. Well, it started, uh, she wanted to get uh, some uh, feedback from Michael about her starting her own career. And uh, Jerry Schilling got a recording contract for her pretty soon uh, as, as this was happening. And then she told Jerry, she says, uh, I'm not going to uh, uh, sign. She said, what do you mean you're not going to sign? I got your recording contract, she said. Uh, I just can't do it right now. And the next thing you know, she married him. She married Michael. Oh. And Priscilla Priscilla told a story that she was in her kitchen. And there was helicopters all overhead. And she, she was talking to her mother. And she said, what is going on? She says, there's helicopters all about. She says, you haven't heard. You haven't heard? What? And so her mother told her, <laughs> uh, Lisa has married Michael Jackson. And then, and then, and then Priscilla said, what? <laughs> what a way to find out. Oh, that... That had to be that, that had to be a quite a shock. Um, how did, did Priscilla ever mention to you how she handled their their relationship with Michael Jackson in their family? No, she never did. Oh, she didn't. Okay, because unfortunately, because you know there would have been an exclusive, but she didn't do that. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I probably had to pay you thousands of dollars to tell me what she said. But uh, I just wondered her reaction and how she got along, you know, with him. It it just boggles my mind, the, you know, what went on. And the, it's, it's not like it's, when I say circus, I don't mean it, you know, bad way. But I, I mean, it just, there were so many different things going on at at one time. And when he... He died, and then 
you know, Priscilla had gone into the movie business and um, and didn't, you know, it didn't work out as well, probably as she hoped it would. But and then with Lisa and her problems that, you know, and it seemed like and there was a like power struggle. There was, there, you know, in his legacy that he had left and um, and everything. I think she's done amazing that she's made all that pay, you know, pay off with with using the the house. Now that house is only used for tourists to come through, right? I mean, does it does anyone live there? Uh, nobody lives there anymore. I mean, like when Lisa uh, used to come in, you know, she you know she she'd have the the cooks, you know, come in and you know and. The, She'd have dinner there, and she'd stay the night. And uh, but um, who knows? You know, yeah. now it's uh, it's going to go to her daughter uh, Riley. You know, who's an actress and a model. She's going to be the one that's in charge of everything because the other girls uh, are uh, minors. So, uh-huh. and because he left everything to her. Lisa, right? Wasn't everything? Right. It was all left the the properties, the music, and all that. Like, did he have a? You know, like the Beatles had a catalog. They had the the book. Uh, did he have that? Was it? Was that owned by? Um, you know, by the Elvis Presley Foundation? Was it owned by them? All his songs. Well, well, what it is is that he had publishing companies, you know, and uh, but uh, in 1972, Colonel Parker did not do a good deal, you know. He sold, I think, for five million dollars, all the residuals, you know, all the rights to, to his Elvis's music from 1956 to 1972, in order to pay off some debts. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's right. And so uh, a lot of the the income that would have been coming in, thanks to Colonel Parker, it didn't. <laughs> that is, oh, well, that, it was so frustrating when you watch the movie and you go like, how could he let this happen? But, but in that life and in that world and all that, all the stuff that happened in there, you you can't explain it unless you, I guess you lived it to understand why people did what they did you know and that's why i'm right that's why i think that for uh, uh priscilla to have carried this this whole huge you know conglomerate of, of companies and and all that the royalties and to get all that straightened out and probably have lost a lot but she's kept it going and you know and the fans won't let it go yeah you know they just well yeah, I mean, Colonel, I like Colonel. I didn't like some of the things that he did. In fact, he liked me, you know, but that's also because he knew that uh, I'd lost my family at a young age, you know, and he had a, he had a, he had a good heart. But the thing is, you know, it could have been so much better for Elvis and now for his descendants, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, well, and I know, you know, he he probably thought, like, it seemed like his dad thought that this isn't going to last, so we can't be spending a lot of money, y'all. This is, you know, this is going to be over with any time now. And that's what a lot of celebrities are very insecure with. And it was, um, and he had no idea. Like, you know, when Mindy Miller, one of his last girlfriends, had said how, when he was driving up to a concert and all these cars, it was packed and, and he is a Coliseum like thing. And he goes, I just can't believe these people still want to come see me. And it was such a surprise to him that he was still popular. And that was, you know, back in the seventies. So I always had a, Elvis had a nightmare. He said that, uh, I dreamt that, uh, uh, I woke up, looked in the mirror, and I, and I lost all my hair, and I was driving a truck. Oh, and, and, uh, 
and then so he says, then I really woke up, and then I, and I, I checked the mirror, and my gosh, I got all my hair, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that must have been horrible because because driving the truck was like where he started out you know like he did that right. as a job and so it was you know i saw there was a picture of uh when he was at lubbock and uh, he was uh, and buddy holly came to see, hear him and he it showed a picture of buddy holly he was among all the other teenagers that were standing around there uh and trying to get to him and there was a, a guy that came up that was mad at Elvis because he uh, his girlfriend loved Elvis more than he did him so he was gonna fight Elvis and it was just showed a picture of that and it was it was so funny the people that you know surrounded him he didn't have all that at that point when he went to Lubbock and um my sister's my sister is like the number one fan when i was growing up she that's all we she played they sang and and all that and i just i, I liked his music but they would start screaming at anything and i i went to see his first movie love me tender and um and i was sitting there and with other friends of mine and the, all the girls started screaming. We couldn't hear anything they were saying, or and we know what is going on. Why are these people screaming? And it was it, it was just a, like a traumatic thing because you couldn't understand why these people were screaming. And it was uh, it it just reminded me. Then I grew up and went to the Beatle concert. And the same thing happened. Everybody started screaming, and you couldn't hear them singing. And you know I love the Beatles as much as anybody did but I didn't want to scream and not hear him because we were sitting way up at the Houston Coliseum trying to listen to them and it was I know I was there too I was there too you know and it was uh, it was a short concert and yes I was a little kid though but it kind of scared me so uh (laughs) because all the screaming you know so I my I went with my aunt so my aunt and I went back to like uh, the, the the I guess the wings over there by where the concession stands are, we watch from that area. Right. You know, because I, I, I just, I was just surrounded by screams. It was just like, oh, my God, I was getting a headache, you know. Well, what was so bad was, you know, I just thought, these girls are so stupid. This is so stupid. Shut up. Y'all shut up. And I turned around to my boyfriend, and he was screaming, too. And I went, what? <laughs> so it was kind of, it was really strange. I'm like, why was a guy screaming? Uh but anyway, it it just was, you know, I guess that something happens to these girls and that's that's all they can do. They're just so excited about seeing this, seeing them. But I think I would love to just hear a psychologist, you know, try and break all that down if they can understand why uh, it happened. With Frank Sinatra, it happened, you know, with Elvis, it happened with, you know, so many people all through the entertainment business and that's how the women would react they'd faint or they'd start screaming so strange but uh um, well you know elvis would come out you know, uh, a couple of times and he'd say uh and he'd do welling oh good night <laughs> that's what, <laughs> because everybody would just scream you know <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I, I, I'm, I'm, this is the radio, so I'm, I'm going to be really good. So you know, Richard, don't worry. Okay. But anyway, there was this uh, 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 there was this girl in the audience, and I have it on tape. You know, she, she said, "I love you, Elvis." She said, "I love you too, uh, honey." And her boyfriend or her husband was right next to to her and said, "I hate you, Elvis." And he said, "Well, blank you, man." <laughs> 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 oh I mean, man! He would, he would just come out right and say it, you know. <laughs> oh my word! I, I, that's what's so funny. I had um, interviewed uh, Tom Jones, and I asked him, "Was d- does the yelling and screaming? I mean, how do you want to keep singing if you can you hear yourself? You it's so loud." in in there and he said well if they quit screaming i don't have a job you know that's that's what you want them to do right and 
And that way, making mistakes, it doesn't, it doesn't sound as bad. But um, I just, I thought that was really strange. It's like, well, that's got to be, you know, like you've done all this, you've worked so hard to have all the fame that you could possibly have, and you go out there and no one can hear you. So all of the training and all of that, you know, you could be singing anything. Mary had a lamb. They don't care. They just, you know, you're, you're there. They're breathing the same air in this Coliseum as you're breathing. This is so exciting. <laughs> it is so, it's so dramatic. But I, I think it's been, you know, what a life you have led, Don, and all the memories that you have. So now when is your book coming out? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I have written one, but, uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know if I'm ever going to let it get There's a couple of guys that want to do a documentary about me. I might do the documentary. Oh yeah. The book, you know, but, because I want to tell you this. So this is, this is very quick though. In the late eighties, I was married to my first wife, Karen, and she's passed away now. But, uh, anyway, um, she was a big uh, Elvis fan, especially for Lisa, but she never met her. But uh, uh, we, we were at uh, the Graceland uh, Plaza uh, across from Graceland. You know, they had an art exhibit, all Elvis uh, art done by fans and so forth. Oh, and there was this one that was great. You know, I had Elvis Priscilla and, and Lisa. And then so uh, Karen just said oh that's a beautiful one of uh, Lisa and her parents and right behind me I noticed Lisa had come right behind us and uh, she said thank you and, and she smiled at me and, uh, and we winked at each other and she walked away and it, it didn't hit it didn't hit Karen until <laughs> who said that I said it was Lisa what do you mean Lisa I said she was right behind us Oh. She was there for a long time looking. Why didn't you tell me? I said, well, because you'd probably freak out. You know? <laughs> but she's right over there. You know? <laughs> and, she, and she did. Oh, well, I, I think that you have had, I, I love listening to you. It's just like you talking about an old friend. And um, I've got to take a break and, and then say goodbye. So I, I am really, really uh, so thankful for you, Don. I love your friendship, and I love all the people that you know and all the stories that you have. So thank you for being on the show, and uh, and we'll we'll talk again as soon as uh, some other stuff comes up. I mean, you know, some of the things that we'd love to talk about, that'll be fine. Uh, but keep in touch, all right, man? Call me. Uh, well, and I want to apologize for coughing a couple of times. It's my asthma acting up. Oh. Other than that, you know, so... You're so sweet. You got through it. You pushed right through it. I appreciate it. Okay, sweet. Okay, Thank great you. Great talking to you, Cindy, as always. So great talking to you. We've been talking to Don Wilson. He's my Elvis connection. And uh, uh, we are sponsored by the Wooten Financial Group. And I just want to say thank you again and again for them. And we'll be right back. Don't go away. Every week, people ask the same two questions. Are they ready to retire? Will their savings last for their lifetimes? Hi, this is Chris Wooten with Wooten Financial Group. Our firm has been in Montgomery County for decades, but the hopes and dreams of the people we serve never change. We help answer these two questions and many more that people have about their uncertain financial future. We have a simple introductory client experience that allows us to get to know the client and includes a few meetings for the client to kick the tires at no charge. We provide a concise, one-page summary that helps the client get a better handle on which questions are the right questions for them. To learn more about Wooten Financial Group's process in helping their clients to a clearer financial future and to see their contact information, visit Cindy Cochran's show page on IRLoneStar.com forward slash TCCS. Wooten Financial Group is a proud sponsor of the Cindy Cochran Show. Wooten Financial Group is available by phone at 936-449. 5952 or visit them on the web at www.wootenfinancial.com that's www.wootenfinancial.com
This program is sponsored by the Wooten Financial Group. It is not the intent of Wooten Financial Group to render or offer personalized investment advice or financial planning advice through this radio program or any related website. Wooten Financial Group's participation in this program is limited to providing general information on financial matters and should not be construed as financial recommendation or investment advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Game Plan Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission and the State of Texas. Insurance services are offered through Wooten Financial Group, Inc. Game Plan Advisors and Wooten Financial Group, Inc. are affiliated through common ownership and neither firm is affiliated with The Cindy Cochran Show. No listener should assume that any information presented and or made available on this program serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized individual advice from Game Plan Advisors, Wooten Financial Group, or any of their representatives. And you're back on the Cindy Cochran Show. We had Don Wilson with us all this time. So if you missed it, it's okay because you just, you just can go back, push on the, the Cindy Cochran Show on YouTube, and there it will be right there. So um, anyway, be sure and, and the, listen to him again. He has such great stories, and I just I could listen to him like all day. Uh, but uh, Mark Bynum, hello, how are you? Uh, that's my cousin. He was listening, and he was like shocked. He did not know that uh, I was going to have someone on like like Mark, uh, like Don Wilson, who knows everybody in Hollywood and especially Elvis Presley. So, okay, now tomorrow, tomorrow though, drum roll please, Bob Smiley's going to be here, Christian comedian, and he was like my first guest that I had on, on the show, and uh, he's coming back. He's coming back. I, I told him I'd bring him a Subway sandwich, and he said, great, and he gave me a list about this long of what he wants to put on the sandwich. I don't it's, I hope he was kidding. You know, he's a comedian. He kissed. So, but uh, anyway, he's going to be here. Bob Smiley is going to be here tomorrow. And he has so many fans. And I've got to get this out on my Facebooks to let him know he, he will be here live with me. And uh, so I, I just hope I make it on time and I beat him here. That was my toll. I told him, I said, I hope I get there before you do. And I will see you guys. Um, let's see. Tomorrow's Thursday, and to, I mean, to, I mean, tomorrow's Wednesday. But then I'll see you Thursday, and it'll be me and Richard. It'll just be me and Richard talking to each other, unless he finds me a really great guest. <laughs> it'll be just me and Richard <clears throat> exchanging ideas and uplifting this community. Okay, guys, I will uh, see you tomorrow with Bob Smiley's gonna be here. All right, bye bye, and listen. First responders, we love you so much. We love you, and even more, God loves you. And see ya.